Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I am thrilled about my first live show, and I couldn't be more grateful for my friend Chester Elton joining me. While he can be mild-mannered, Chester is a powerhouse, best-selling author, an expert in organizational culture, employee engagement, and teamwork. And his favorite color is also orange. Chester, heartfelt welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Molly. Any time spent with Molly Chang is time well spent. Thanks. (laughs) So fantastic. So I'd love to see saying it skillfully as part of every organization's culture. Though, um, as we can tell by a lot of feedback from folks, it's not exactly the case yet. You meet with lots of companies, uh, Chester. To what extent um, are, you, are people saying what you think really needs to be said? Well, I, I think there's a lot of inhibitors. You know, people are very defensive nowadays. They want to be politically correct. They want to be seen as smart and engaging and innovative. And I think people are just overly careful, and they're afraid to really say what they, what they mean or, or say what they think needs to be said. What do you think? I think that, um, that there's, a, there's that going on for people, and there's a bit of a different of experience. Because are there leaders who drive to work and say, gosh, I'm going to make it so scary that no one tells me what they really think? <laughs> yes, there probably are a few, right? We, maybe we know them, but for the most part, leaders probably don't, right? And so then the people are thinking, well, they don't want me to hear it. And, and, the, and the leaders are thinking, well, People, I've told people that I want to hear it. So there's just a different in experience, right? It's the same situation. People perceive it differently. Um, and that's part of the skillfulness is, you know, we've said we could wait for leaders to kind of have an epiphany and realize that maybe people don't realize it's as safe. Or as an individual, all those folks out there could say, well, you know, maybe I can find a way to let my well-intentioned leader know that it's not quite the way they think it is. And I think that's tough. I, I really think it is. You know, so often leaders will say, hey, I, I want the unvarnished truth. And then when you give it to them, they bridle. You can tell by their body language that they thought that, you know, by saying that, everything you were going to say back was going to be positive, right? And so when you have to have that skillful conversation, like you said, where you really want to point things out that need to be said, I think there's just a lot of fear in the workplace that, uh, that it's not safe. Yeah, I'll throw out one thing for leaders and really for anyone, but when someone does provide what I would consider tough news, right? Not what you want to hear, um, you know, complete maybe a sub- total surprise. It's often, I've often really heard leaders say, who said that? I'm like, oh my gosh, you didn't, that was not the first thing out of your mouth. And I get that it absolutely is something you're, you're interested in knowing. The number one thing to create safety would be, wow, that, I understand that, was probably not easy to say. Thank you. Just acknowledgement. Right. You know, you're this. If you just and and it just seems so basic, but that is that that could be the knee jerk reaction. Thank you. What a gift. That would really change the dynamic. You know, I, I love the power of those two simple words. 
Thank you. And then you're, you know, the way you say it skillfully was so great. When you add, I know that must have been hard for you to say, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. That just puts everybody at ease, right? It makes it really safe to then have the conversation. And I think so many leaders forget to say thank you. They get caught up in the, you know, processing the information, wanting to come up with a solution, you know, do it quickly, be, you know, be the smartest person in the room, that they forget that that simple thing up front, and, and you coach it so brilliantly, is just to say, thank you. That must have been tough. Really appreciate the candor. Puts everybody at ease. Now you can really solve the problem and move forward. Such yeah. a simple thing, right? It, it is a simple, and I think a lot of the, the success and the uptake for the show is, um, is that getting back to basics, Chester, it is about, and I've always just um, really admired your focus on the people and the relational part first, and more often than not, you know, people perceive I got to hit the number, make the project plan, you know, hit the budget, and it's true, that is part of work, um, and that's, we want those results. The key thing, all the data shows, though, it's the relational dimension. It's that interaction with other people. It's that time spent to to show, to create trust, to be vulnerable, um, to be who you really are. Um, I'm wondering, you know, you've you've ha- shared some really great stories about companies you visited. Any particular that stand out uh, to you in terms of culture, where really across the board you feel like, from top to bottom, folks really feel have the safety and are saying it. Yeah, you know, we've done a lot of work with uh, Texas Roadhouse restaurants. You've probably been to one, you know, with the peanuts on the floor and the loud music and the line dancing. And, uh, you know, Kent Taylor, who's the founder and CEO there, has created a remarkably safe culture where it really he really does want to hear. And he, he'll travel, he'll go to restaurants, he'll talk to the customers, he'll talk to the waitstaff before he talks to the, uh, to the managers and the, and the, uh, and the restaurant uh, managers. So what I love about what he does is he's very candid. He's very open. He puts people at ease, and he lets them know that they're important. Now, the other thing that he's done is he's really put his money where his mouth is. They actually have a, a fund called Andy's Outreach, where if, you know, you've got a lot of hourly uh, employees, if they have an unexpected expense, whether it's a, an unexpected heating bill or their car breaks down or they funeral expenses they can't pay – he actually steps up in this fund, and then we'll, we'll step in and over and above their, their salaries and benefits, pay for that. And, and I love leaders that, you know, not only do they talk the talk, they walk the talk. And because Kent has been so great about spending time with his people, asking them, how can we do things better? What have you seen in other places that we could do better? And when you're in trouble, you can ask for help. He's created this incredible culture. You know, they've got over 600 restaurants now. And in the restaurant industry, you know, you close and open restaurants all the time. They've only ever closed three restaurants. And one of the reasons is their people love working there. They're engaged. It's safe. It's fun. It's innovative. And they know that the owner's got their back. And I think when you've got those elements in place, great things happen. By the way, they're ridiculously profitable as well. No surprise, right? Totally no surprise. And that's the thing I just would love to encourage folks. And I feel that there's this inertia and people look around, well, everybody else is panicked about the numbers and doesn't really seem to be supporting the people so much. And it's really, I get it, it's really easy. Um, For CEOs, you know, people think you're the top 
DAW there, and they often, if they're public, have a board of directors. And it's not easy, right, to create the kind of trust and teamwork from board all the way through an organization um, where they really are rowing in the same direction and really everyone has the same game. I'd love to call out our friend and our inspiration, Gary Ridge at WD40, because they are public, right? And he... Um, yeah, you know, he, 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 I can't remember the numbers, but he started off and he came up through the ranks. And I remember a great story he told me. He was in this meeting, he had just come from Australia, and he's in this meeting. They hired somebody, you know, an expensive person to talk about leadership or whatever. And Gary was like, What is this person saying? I mean, he literally, and he had this moment and he could have just kind of hung back like most people were. But instead, he skillfully he raised his hand and says, Gosh, I don't know if it's me, but I am really not tracking with what you're saying. And it just, it was so awesome because no one in the room, you're paying this great guy, you know, and not that it was a bad person, but again, he would not have known, right? The speaker had this right. not been said. Um, so he's, uh, he's another great example. And um, his board, um, they really partner and, and the, I don't remember the numbers, but he, the performance there is spectacular. Well, you know, I, I do know the numbers actually. When he took over, they were a $280 million company. And now they're $2.8 billion. So not bad. <laughs> you know, it's not bad. And I think people always ask the question, is it you treat your people well and then you do well, or is it because you're doing well that you can afford to treat your people well? Well, I think Gary, you know, let us know. It's absolutely, it starts with people and then you prosper. It's not the other way around. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, you've been such an awesome supporter of the show. I'm really grateful because, you know, I, you've been, you're like such a social media star out there, Chester. And I'm just curious, um, and you've learned from so many other folks, but from the series, um, what are some of the things that personally you've shared or kind of what's the difference it's made for you? Well, what I love uh, that you bring with this, say it skillfully, is simple ways to diffuse really high-tension moments. And what you do with your coaching is you create a win-win. You know, we even just role-played it a minute ago where it was, thank you for that feedback. That must have been hard for you to say. Those are simple little things that take the tension and the negativity out of hard conversations, right? I love the way you make it a win-win. And I think the more that leaders can understand it and more that, that team members and employees can understand that even though it's hard information to hear or it may be a difficult situation, there's a way to make it a win-win so that, you know, no one's the victim, right? We can all be part of the solution. And for me, that was, the, I, and I learned it every week you put them out. I go, man, that is such an easy way to make that a win-win where I never would have thought of that before. So. Thank you. They're brilliant. That's fantastic. I appreciate that. You know, I'll just share one thing. We talk about this relationship word, right? Trusters mentioned it a bunch. I just want to unpack that for people um, on three levels that to work with. And first is what I'll call that emotional intelligence, the what's going on for me, right? Can you articulate what's going on for you? It's the self-awareness piece. Um, obviously, most successful people are very self-aware. They also have a high degree of self-compassion because the more you know about yourself, you don't want to beat yourself up too much. So it starts right. kind of within and being able to like influence control what we can control about ourselves. 
Then you've got that second level called a social intelligence, which is that ability to empathetically understand what's going on for someone else. What's it like for Chester? You know, we're all both on the same call. I have an experience. You have an experience. And to be able to really empathetically understand what it's like for you is how we can connect, right? And when we first met, we were pretty, you know, we haven't known each other that long. I feel like I've known you a long time. Right. And then at the third level, I'll offer this relationship system intelligence, whether that's a couple, husband, wife, a sports team, a work group. And that's the who are we together and that ability to walk in each other's shoes. And not just that marketing understands the job of finance, but they understand what it feels like. So that empathetic understanding. And I've seen when groups have that, that they can really walk in each other's shoes. That's fundamental to collaborating to powerful group identity, um, and to really winning together to, to, to play the game for each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think those three levels, every one of them is so important. You know, you said that we don't want to beat ourselves up too much. I think we do, though. And I, I love that idea where you talk about that emotional intelligence. Let's be really self-aware. and Let's not be too hard on ourselves, right? Perfection is, 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 a, rare, <laughs> is a rare thing. Let's, let's strive to be better. And, and give ourselves a break. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for mentioning that. You know, I was with Marshall Goldsmith, you know, our um, collective mentor here. And once he looked at me and he's just like, wow, so hard on yourself. And I thought, I thought <laughs> gosh, she's really right. Yeah. <laughs> God, Molly, can't cut yourself a break, honey, right? Um, so one of the key skills we've talked about, and I want to reinforce here on, on this episode, is this notion of the meta skills, right? Your intentional attitude or vibe um, that you can exude. And one of the most game-changing ones is the notion of gratitude. Um, so no I understand someone I know and love is, has um, a book coming out on this, and I would just love to hear a little bit about your gratitude journey and um, your helping listeners really take advantage of that. You bet. Well, thank you so much. You know, I, uh, I learned gratitude from my dad. I grew up in a ridiculously happy household, and it was because my father just was so grateful for everything. He was just the happiest guy I know. He would say, you know, Chess, happiness is a choice. Choose to be happy. And, and the way he would do that is he was just effusive in, in, in his expression of the value of people. You know, another thing he taught me, he said, you know, Chess, be good to everybody. Everybody's having a tough day. Well, along that line, as I've grown up in business and my wonderful writing partner, Adrian Gostick, as he and I have been writing about culture and leadership and teams for the last 20 years, we came to the conclusion fairly quickly, actually, that the difference between the good leaders and extraordinary leaders was never their hard skills. It was always their soft skills or what you describe as the meta skills. You know, how did they relate to people? How did they engage with people? How did they make people feel valued? And, and number one in those soft skills was how they expressed gratitude, how they said thank you. And so um, Adrian and I have a new book coming out called Leading with Gratitude. It comes out March 3rd uh, next year. We divided it into three sections. One is what are the excuses that leaders give in not leading with gratitude? You know, you mentioned one, like, fear is the best motivator, or it's all about compensation, or, you know, people need too much uh, coddling these days. I saved my praise for when somebody does something really great, those kind of lame excuses, to the best practices of some of the greatest leaders that we've ever known. We mentioned Gary Rich. Gary is in there from WD-40, and Alan Mulally, who saved Ford, and on and on and on. 
the way they expressed gratitude, the way they saw what people were doing, and then the way they expressed their gratitude for that good work is really remarkable. And then my favorite part is the end where we say, don't leave those expressions of gratitude at work. Take them home. Every great leader that we interviewed for the book, by the way, we have a database of like a million engagement surveys that all prove the point that when I feel valued and appreciated, my, my work gets better and more productive, right? Is that every one of those great leaders, not only did they express gratitude at work, they did it as well in their personal lives, the way they treated their spouses, their kids, friends, and family. And it was just very heartwarming. So it, it was really a labor of love. It comes out March 3rd, available to find bookstores everywhere. You can pre-order it on Amazon. And I know you actually got an advanced copy. And um, what was your biggest takeaway from the book? What part did you like the most? Well, I, yeah, I'm obviously, this is my whole world. So I, I love the book. What I love the most is my mother. I happened to be in Rochester, and my mother got a cold of it. And it was like, uh, she was like, I'm like, Mom, that I got to take the book back. <laughs> Because I hadn't quite finished yet. My mother was like, this is a really good book. (laughs) She just was like, she was ripping through the book. So it was really, and my mother is a nurse, you know, so that is in her ethos. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, we only know one person, wink, wink, who it feels over appreciated. And um, I want to really encourage folks to to lean into what Chester said and, and to also offer that sometimes you may feel, gosh, am I being disingenuous? Am I really appreciating them? And if it's not a muscle you're so used to, you may feel a little off, but just know that if you practice it, it becomes second nature. And when you see someone else light up, be clear, you get more back, right, Trister? I mean, it's really, it's the gift that never uh, stops giving. Right. The, The more you give, the more you get. I mean, you know, your mom and dad taught you that when you were five years old, right? It's always better to give than to receive it. I mean, this is the season of giving, right? We just celebrated Thanksgiving. We're going into the holidays. And, and I love this time of year because the more you give, the more you get. And I think it's a great lesson for us, not only in our personal lives, but it translates so powerfully in the workplace. And you know what? It costs nothing, Molly. To be kind, to be grateful, to say thank you, it costs nothing. And yet the benefits are, you know, a thousandfold. So thank you for bringing that up, I, I'm grateful for our friendship, and I, and I know that these simple things that you're teaching to say skillfully uh, really does help create that, that culture of gratitude and that those winning cultures for people. So I love the work you're doing. That's great. And I'm going to, with that, um, close. Grateful for you, my friend, for your time, uh, for being very generous with your thoughts. And um, Chester, I'll look forward to seeing you soon. And as always, I thank you for being part of the solution. Happy to be here. My dad always said I had a great face for radio, so I appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Humor is fabulous. Okay, Chester is just the best. I am thrilled to welcome now a caller from New York City. We'll have Sophie from New York join us. Sophie, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Molly? I'm doing great, thank you. uh, What's on your mind? What can I help you with today? I was actually um, wondering, you know, regarding um, the impact of or the power of the face-to-face meetings, you know, when you meet people or interview people as a leader versus virtual meetings or phone calls. And I really think right now a lot of people, particularly in the business world, you know, rather have 
quick phone calls or, you know, those, what's the difference between having half an hour over the phone or just half an hour in an office, which I think, you know, the first minutes when you meet people are much more powerful, you know, when you definitely meet people face to face. Yes. So um, is your question about how to work with the um, phone call more or is it about yes. trying to get more fa- how to work on the phone calls? Yeah. So I appreciate this a lot. I um, used to run a lot of virtual meetings, virtual teams across the world. And it was funny for me because I grew up doing that a bit more, frankly, than some of the in-person meetings. And so the the focus on the relationship, as we were just talking with um, um, Chester on, is so important. And it's less about starting with the work. And so for folks, and, and I know this is really hard for people because they get to work, we're, we're about the work, we're about the work. And if folks can just give themselves permission to say, you know what, we're going to get even better work if I first really know the folks that I'm, I'm with on this call. Um, and so there's nothing like that chance to make the first impression. If you're facilitating a call, the opportunity to just, to just give people time to introduce themselves on the phone, not just I'm a program manager, right, or I'm the marketing person, but create space for people to share a little bit about their background, you know, how long they may have been in the company or not, just to give people some personal context is such a great investment, Um, particularly when you've got different cultural contexts. It just helps people to, to appreciate and um, to, to know, wow, I'm part of something so much bigger than my, my location here. So the ability to be very personal and um, to, as if specifically as the facilitator, to really honor people. So thanks for sharing that. Well, I'm learning something. And what you do is you model for the rest of the team how they can really embrace um, the diversity. You know, you and I, 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 you said from France. Are you from um, France originally? Where, where, where are you from? Yes, I'm from France originally. Yeah, yeah. So you can appreciate, you know, here you are in the States that, um, you know, it's different worlds. And you hear a lot about diversity and inclusion. And, you know, let's be clear. If you have folks from diff- diverse backgrounds, and I, I say that very broadly, people, places, ideas, experiences, right? Um, but people... Mm-hmm can't hear each other, Sophie, it's just a bummer (laughs) because it's really hard. Those teams really have a hard time getting out of their way. And so this notion of skillfulness to be able to be open to the fact that, wow, um, this person comes at this differently. Let me not make it wrong. Let me be curious about it and understand it and find a way to embrace it. So I share a few thoughts now. What's landing for you or uh, what other questions might you have? So I, I'm just um, curious, like being in New York and working in New York, you know, more, most particularly when you meet people for the first time for business purposes, I think it's much more powerful to meet them physically, like face to face. So if someone has only half an hour, it doesn't make any difference whether you're going to be on the phone or with someone because this half an hour is going to be half an hour anyway. And I, I, I think you will create much more powerful impact face-to-face rather than over the phone. You know, you create, you know, basic links or in a relationship with the person face-to-face, right? And something totally different. So, you know, it's maybe a question of culture, but I think it would be 
you know, it's interesting for me to, um, you know, see how often or how little, um, you know, people actually invite you to come, you know, to their offices to actually meet face to face. Yeah, I I agree with you. I absolutely agree that the face to face is most powerful for sure. And you know, it's it's um, we're all you know a bit ADD, I think, and people feel like they don't have enough time. Um, and I have folks, you know, often reaching out, and and you want to be helpful, and you and you don't want to you want to spend time, but it's hard to make the effort to be in person. I think being persistent. Um, and if you really want to so look at, I'll, I'll work anytime works for you and, and, and just have a chance to meet in person. I think that is, it is worth doing. And, and I have to say, I'm, I am definitely someone it's, it's easier for me. Now, having said that I do a lot of video work and I will tell you that the video these days can be really, really effective, really effective. So I encourage folks you know, people, the person may not want to say, oh, would you be willing to make, you know, do a video? And it just creates a whole different connection. And I think lots of times, even though people seem to be moving around, have a lot of activity, we do lack true connection with other human beings. Um, and so I think that, that, that pushing that is a great thing. Yeah, no, definitely. And also, we, you know, we hear that if you, for instance, manage global virtual teams, you know, not interview, but manage them, you're supposed to spend 2.5 more times over the phone, you know, speaking about their personal issues or, you know, to relate to them, as you were explaining a bit earlier, which, you know, takes more time, you know. So it's always a question of, uh, you know, impact and time and how you manage this which, you know, we all relate to the same things. At the end of the day, you know, you only have 24 hours in a day, um, but the impact you want to create, right, in the different teams. Yeah, you point out a great thing. And I'll just add on that. I think the back and forth for folks, if you're managing a virtual team, letting people know, gosh, I really want people to feel like they know who each other are. Where are we on it? Do we need to spend more or less time as whether you're the facilitator or the formal leader? Don't feel like that person has to own it for the whole team. Use it as a co-creating opportunity. You know, we're all going to do better work if we feel like we are uh, safe, if we feel trusted, if we feel like we can ask for help. And are we giving or do we have enough of that going on? Have we spent enough time? And when you ask, truly ask with an open heart and willing to hear, people will tell you. So, I, you know, I would offer that lots of times the answers are, they always are within if we're willing to hear them, willing to hear them. Sophie, I'm so thrilled um, that you called in. Is there a top takeaway you'd like to wrap with today? No, just culturally, I think it's very interesting to see how people lead, whether face-to-face or virtually. It's an endless topic. And uh, thank you so much for your insights. I wish we, can, we could uh, continue that conversation. Thank you very much, Molly. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of the solution, Sophie. You take good care. Thank you. Bye. We will take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang, and I'll be back live with you shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. 
I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent. Their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Hey, all. Welcome back. I am thrilled to uh, have our next caller, Garrett. Garrett, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. How's it going? It's going fantastic. What? Uh, where are you today, and what can we help you with? I'm uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, currently, and um, I have a, a question. So uh, I am uh, at my first job. New. Uh, I'm new to the organization. It's my first job, and. I, I'm curious about um, how how can I uh, speak up and contribute because uh, I have a lot to say. I'm, I'm a very vocal person, but uh, without being too pushy. You know what I mean? Not being overbearing or you know, this is the guy that talks all the time. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And kudos to you for being too new to the workplace and wanting to f- participate very fully. And for all folks, you know, whether you're brand new to the workforce or new to a company, just know that outside external perspective is so vital. So it's actually a real responsibility to contribute fully, especially in those early days, because you can see things really clearly. Um, So I think, Garrett, that, you know, sussing out uh, in the environment, everyone wants to do that. So that's obviously important to just be aware and I, I want to encourage folks, unlike what you are doing, is to not to wait too long. Let me just see how it goes, right? And so part of the opportunity uh, for new folks is to kind of lead and create the environment that you think you can thrive and others can thrive in. So the, the ability to, to notice, and I think oftentimes new people don't, they're not, you're not sure what you don't know, right? It's a new situation. So the ability to just be mindful of how much, so just the the number of times, um, just keep that in the back of your head. But throwing out intention, your positive intention, and acknowledging folks as a starting point is always a win. Gosh, I'm a new kid on the block. So amazing. I'm so thrilled to be here. And I appreciate all the um, experience and um, skill set that's here. I just want to add X and throw it out there you may have a point of view and you're not sure if it's right. So you might say, you know, I, I really want to contribute um, and, and, and help us get a, a balance of perspectives. And what I'm noticing is X. So just that kind of language, I call that on-ramping. So you're not saying, gosh, that was wrong, I'm right, right? 
mm-hmm. and you have a chance to float it out there. However, you're not being wimpy. You know, oh, I'm just wondering, oh, sort of, maybe. You, you know, have the presence, and this is this whole meta skill, the energy of I'm confident. I'm you know, inspired by the opportunity. I'm open. So think about the kind of energy and how you want others to perceive you, Garrett, because that whatever impression that they make is something that you're sending those signals out. How is that landing for you? Yeah, yeah. So um, that that makes a lot of sense. Could you uh, give just a couple more examples? Um, You kind of talked about, I I can't remember the word you used, but like a kind of positive intent. In what other ways can I express that? Great question. So uh, do you have a particular situation that could, like, was there a, a particular problem or anything specific I can give you a language that might be um, more appropriate for a given situation? Um, I, I can't think of a specific thing right now, but just like, I guess just in projects in general, I, maybe I'm trying to get at is like, a, is sometimes I feel like maybe it's, I'm being a little bit too negative, right? Where it's, it, I am saying like, oh, hey, this is wrong. Like we need to change this. Okay. Um, maybe just a few more examples of how I can reword that or like how I can make sure that I'm padding it correctly. You know what I mean? Perfect. Perfect. That's helpful for me. What, oftentimes I call this in the bubble. I'm worried about being negative. So again, tone of voice and posture and smiling. So, you know, that all that stuff contributes to how people receive you. So you're positive, you know, you're upbeat. Gosh, I appreciate, so acknowledge the point of view and I can see why people think that. I see it very differently and I'd like to share how I'm thinking it through for all of us to consider because I think we can get to a better answer. And if you do see something as quote unquote like wrong, you can say, I see why you're thinking that. That's not the way I see it. I see it actually quite differently. Or I see it the opposite. Just, you know, you don't have to use the word wrong. There's nothing wrong with using the word wrong. It's just giving yourself a more portfolio of different ways to come at it so people aren't on their heels. And the reason that's important is when people are on their heels, they are not hearing you, right? So the point is you're being able to create receptivity. And um, oftentimes if you have difficult news, and I just did a video on this recently, you, you can use the words, gosh, if, um, if I were in your shoes, I would want someone to tell me this. So you're just treating the mm-hmm. person the way at least you would want to be treated. Um, and again, it's important, you know, oftentimes we, we may think something is very black and white, right and wrong. You may, you may be correct in that assessment. To ask though, you know, I'm not sure I'm tracking with you. I'm not really following it. Would you please help me understand how you got there? To make sure that you fully do see the path and that you actually are thinking, yep, that, that's not right. And that gives the person to chance to be um, sharing what's on their mind and then for you to be able to be very specific, saying, you know what, I see why you think that. This is actually the case, though. That information isn't the situation. This is the situation. Mm-hmm. It gives yourself a chance to kind of c- compare and contrast. Does that help you? Yeah, yeah. That From what I'm hearing, um, it sounds like kind of the word that you use a little bit is uh, is making sure you have positive tone. And then um, it, it sounds also that you use a lot of like eye language, right? Kind of trying to not blame anyone, right? You're, you're kind of like uh, focusing it maybe, well, this is what I think. This is, this is the opinion that I have, blah, blah, blah. Is, is, is that kind of what you're saying? Am I understanding that right? 
Brilliant. I, I share with folks all the time. It's always fair to share your experience of something, right? That's because that's your experience of that. And again, the way you said my experience is this sounds arrogant, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. My experience is actually really different. And I also want to encourage the power of the pause. Oftentimes in our brain, like oh, I got to get all this out. And it's hard for people to keep pace with you. I can tell your brain, your brain's working. You're, it's cycling. Just know that everybody will track as quickly. So, so stay with them. Literally stay with them. As you say something, are you tracking? Are you with me? Does that make sense? This doesn't help if you race ahead. You know, you're two laps around the track and folks are just getting out of the gate. And so I think that's mm. part of it. And then, you know, as um, a new person modeling, you can just say, you know, I, gosh, I feel like I appreciate the chance to have been able to be very open. And I would invite any feedback for us group, uh, as a group, right? Um, what is the dynamic? How do we want to be as a group? And I did this, I think, in a, a, a few shows ago. But oftentimes groups don't actually articulate how do we want to be together, right? When we have differences of opinion, do we want to lean into it? Do we want to, how do we want to handle that? And someone who's in your privileged position of being new can say, gosh, I'm just noticing we don't disagree very often. I'm not making any judgment on that. Um, for folks always want innovation, you know, Garrett, people don't innovate if they're actually not disagreeing on something or trying to do something differently. And so that's also a very powerful way um, to help a group realize, well, have we figured out how we, how we want to interact? Um, some data from MIT, you know, the, the highest performing groups, people speak in very short sound bursts. Everyone's chiming in. So if you're, maybe you don't have something to say, but you're just noticing, gosh, these two people have been talking the whole time and, and they're very passionate about it. So you might say, gosh, I appreciate how passionate Sue and Tom are about this topic. I'm noticing we haven't heard from other folks. I just want to invite other voices to chime in. And so now it's not about you. You're you here. You are helping other people. And you know, I had a session on people who are more inclined to be quiet. You know, you're obviously very comfortable chiming in, but there's a lot of folks that's not so comfortable for them. And so someone like you can really be an advocate for other people and help them feel like they um, can contribute. They know they they probably know they should. It's just not so easy for people to do that. Do you feel like that's those are tools and words you can use, Garrett? Yeah, yeah. I, I especially like the idea of being an advocate for others, uh, kind of like serving others to because I do have a lot of opinions, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of opinions about things, and then uh, but kind of stepping back maybe and allowing others the opportunity or the you know the torch to talk. Um, that 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 sounds helpful to me. So thank you. You're welcome. Do you have um, other? I mean, are you the only new person? I'm curious on the work dynamic. Um, yeah, it's, it's a small team. There's, uh, only seven of us. Um, and we're all pretty recent new hires, but I, I'm the only one who is, uh, brand new. This isn't, I'm the only one who, this is my first job. Right. Okay. Okay. That's great. Well, I just want to say that they're very, 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 very lucky to have you. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that you called in. Do you have a particular top takeaway for today's chat? Um, I think kind of just reiterating some of the things of, uh, 
making sure that when I am offering criticism or, or uh, different um, insights to, to kind of, uh, I, I haven't thought about this much, but um, positive inflection, a positive tone to it, as well as making sure to use kind of eye language, right, uh, to, to make sure it's not really like blaming anyone, but it's my experience, my opinion. It could be wrong, and I'm fine if it's wrong. And then uh, the, the last point that we just talked about of uh, allowing others to share as well, which is an important thing, you know, uh, serving others will uh, eventually it'll serve you as well. Right. But looking outside of yourself, I think that's, helps everybody. That's fantastic. Uh, I feel better at having folks like you coming up in the workforce, Garrett. I thank you for being part of the solution and joining me today. Thank you. Okay, next, from my LinkedIn followers, we had a few questions submitted, and I told folks that I'd handle them on the um, show. So from Franciscus, what do you say to a person who is not listening at all, not even making an effort? So I appreciate this. Uh, Sadly, I'm going to admit that I'm guilty of it. Uh, So it's easy to assume your reality is right, that this person really is not listening, understand that, pause on that, and start by controlling what you can. So that's your energy, your meta skill, rather than perhaps being annoyed, uh, irritated about the person not listening, turn on that curiosity meta skill. So own that, own just really trying to understand, be curious, and the power of the pause. So if the person, you know, isn't listening, all of a sudden it's silence, they may, be, they may be just a bit startled. From that point, you might just, with your, your a sense of compassion as well, say, hey, are you, are you okay? And they may look at it, like, what do you mean you're okay? You know, give them a mouth. Um, well, I'm just, my experience is you're um, not as engaged. Um, is there a better time for you? Is something going on? And you, know, you never know what's going on for someone, and that just may be, the offer that they needed to say, gosh, I'm really sorry. My so-and-so went into the hospital. This happened for me. And they're really, they're not with you. But you've given them a chance to express that um, and honor really meeting them where they are. So let's just say they really were in a momentary lapse of concentration. Look, at I know you'd want to be present. Um, just getting a sense that you may have other things on your mind. Um, are we good now? And see where they are. And you can take this step further to just share and, and offer that as something that both of you could own. That, you know, for me, listening is a real show of respect. And so I, I try to do that for others because I feel it's a way of showing respect. And I appreciate it too. And then you can get back on track with the work if, if the person is, is with you. Um, so hopefully, Francisca, that gives you some ideas and don't hesitate to, um, to reach out if I can help you further. Okay. <laughs> Viet, are you on the line? We'll welcome Viet from yes. Connecticut. Yes. Hi, Molly. Hi, hey, how are you? Line. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. What's on your mind today? What can I help you with? Look, I, I think, um, you know, I manage a team of um, about six uh, pretty diverse, you know, diverse um, employees. And I think one of the things that I struggle with is, you know, making sure that I connect with them on an individual level. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to do that with authenticity and, and, and also with 
um, you know, expressing some vulnerability because, you know, there are things going on in my life right now, which you just mentioned, that they may not know. But I'm trying to strike the right balance of being able to share that, but also gain their support, but also show them that there's enough um, support on their end whenever, when, when they're going through, you know, managing as, as, part, of my, as part of my team. I wonder if you had any advice around, around that. That's a great one. Uh, I really appreciate you for bringing up the vulnerability because it is a must for trust. It absolutely is. When we mention that word around most people, leaders in particular, you know, it, people go crazy because it's, it's a very scary term. And Brene Brown's work is amazing. And you'll know that she says, look, no one loves being vulnerability, vulnerable, but we realize that it's, it's something that we just need to do to be real. And for leaders in particular, it's essential. It is absolutely essential. People do not want to work for this perfect person who just never seems to have anything go wrong. It's, it's not something they can really connect with. Um, and it, it's a judgment call, so I appreciate your raising this. I think the, um, the focus on the system and, and what's great for the whole is a way to start. So you could, if you have a team, just circle the wagon and say, hey, team, and acknowledge the positive things about the team. You can do that individually. You can do it as a group. So that sets a, a positive energy about it. So you know, one of the things I, I, it's a real privilege for me to have a chance to lead this team. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and be a bit vulnerable with you because I, I need a little extra support from you. And I have, and whatever your situation might be and the ability to share it with them and say, look, I'm modeling for you um, a level of openness and vulnerability, and I would want you to feel like you could do this because I know that with each other's support, we'll be able to be our very best. And, you know, I, I know that technically I'm a leader, and I, just, I say this because I'm just a person too. We all have stuff going on um, and in this situation. And then to the extent you have specific asks, Viet, you have a chance to, mm-hmm. um, you know, to put that out there. How's that feeling for you? No, I, I think that I think that's right. I think that um, you're right on in expressing. I think being actually being direct and, and being vulnerable and actually stating where you're at, but also acknowledging that, that that they may feel uncomfortable or don't know how to react, but then guiding them through, you know, what they need as well, right? So I think I think it's a two way street. For sure. I have, uh, have you yeah. seen some of Brene's short videos? She has that power of vulnerability video. Yes, yes. That was a very, very powerful, um, uh, powerful, powerful program that I, I did see. She was very yeah. good. She's done really great stuff. So I have had groups, actually, and I would offer this to folks listening. Everybody, listen, have everyone on the team um, actually listen to it. It's great if you can do it together. And then an activity is three things, like what's vulnerability to you at work? And people, what do you mean? Like three things. And for some people, it might be disagreeing with my boss. It might be I'm being late. It may be like not knowing the answer. And you use little sticky notes. It's an opportunity to just get it out. And then you do what are three things vulnerability for you in your home life? And for some folks, it may be like letting people down, maybe missing the soccer game, but whatever it is. And when you start, the sticky note is great because it gives people a chance to do it not quite directly, but you still see it. Um, so that's, that might be another way to just work with it yet. And then it becomes really about the whole team sharing. Um, and I found that that's a really, it's powerful for people to realize, you know what? Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I really appreciate your joining. Do you have a top takeaway from our chat today, Viet? Yeah, and I think that's, um, thank you, Molly, for, for responding. And I, I think the takeaway for me is, you know, recognizing myself, you know, where I am um, at a particular stage in my career or as I'm managing the team because, you know, things won't change week to week or month to month due to personal circumstances or maybe work circumstances and just being mindful of also where my individual team members are at, right, and asking the question and continuing that dialogue with them individually and then as a collective team so they, they can also help each other. So I think that's, um, that's really good advice. I appreciate you. I can hear um, a lot of of growth, and I appreciate your. It's a bit of a struggle, and I appreciate you calling in and, and putting this out in the universe for folks because it's really real. Things um, mm-hmm. happen, and it's not all unicorns and rainbows. Um, oftentimes, people are all oh, it's all positive, it's all good, and not that we're trying to, you know, be a negative per se, but sometimes it's not all beautiful. And it's really real. And that authenticity, um, I think, is just the ultimate in courage. Um, and I'm feeling that from you today. So I just want to honor you for, um, for, for calling, um, being open about this, and then um, certainly reach out for any other ways that I could be helpful to you. Well, thank you for putting on this program. And I, I you know, really, really support and respect the work that you've done and the impact you've made. So um, thanks for being a part of this. My journey, my personal journey. <laughs> and you're part of mine, and I really appreciate you being part of the solution. Take good care, Riet. All right. Have a great rest of the day. <laughs> Thank you. So I'll loop back now to a couple of um, a couple more of the questions I got from followers on LinkedIn. I do want to encourage folks that you can press the button and email um, questions for future shows. So Bill said to me, how do you confront a person who doesn't work for you, but is creating a negative work environment for your peers and wider workmates? So this is a question of how do you confront without being confrontational? Um, And there's a theme here. Folks haven't picked it up. It's easy to jump to the task. Here's what's going on. And it's destructive to the work. First things first is put the relationship as a priority and to put a focus on this actual person. And this is, seems to be a classic case of lacking in shared reality. Um, and if this person has particular behaviors, right, that they're having an impact that they're not aware of. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that this person isn't doing this purposely. So if they really are destructive and they want to destroy the team, that is a different scenario. So um, we'll assume positive intent that the person is just not aware. A way to enter that might be to pull the person aside Say, hey, you know, I have a question for you around our team dynamics. You know, we just got out of this meeting, and I appreciate your thoughts. Being positive, having positivity on a team is a key attribute of all the highest performing teams. And I'm just wondering how how you think it's going for our team. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate where we are in positivity? So that's at least chance, and the numbers are helpful because it it just forces people to, to kind of pick a lane and you get some information about where the person thinks. So they may think, well, it's a 10. And you might be shocked. Wow, shocking. Say more, you know, how is it a 10 for you? So you're starting to get information out. The person might say, ah, eh, it's a five. Thanks for being honest. 
appreciate your being honest on that. Say more about what makes it a five. So you're getting into back and forth dialogue. It's not about putting the person on their heels about behaviors yet. It's about just what's going on for the group. And then ask, you know, we're all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution. Um, could you share how it might be a way that um, you can make it more positive, that I could make it more positive, include yourself, but find a way to elicit the behavior. And it may be something you need to be more direct. You know, one thing I experienced is that this was, what's, this was the behavior. And then do you remember that? Have the person say, yeah, yeah, I did that. Great. How did that impact the team? Do you think? And so that's a way to just start to create a picture, a shared picture, and um, hopefully have the person own that. It's also really important for you as an individual to own things that you may have done and to offer support to that person, right? So that person feels supportive. And I'm saying this because I want to help you and because when you are at your best and our team's at our best, that's how we're going to do our, our best work. So it's really being in service to the other person and to the team and ultimately creating transparency of the impact. Okay, and um, the last one, I think actually we have to wrap. So I feel like I'm missing out on this last, so I'm gonna have to handle the last one um, shortly. And I do wanna just before signing off, have an ask for all of you. And in the US, over a million people experience homelessness each year. 37,000 are veterans served in our country. In New York City alone, over 100,000 children live in shelters each year. And personally, I've observed the problem getting worse. Can't just walk around those on the streets, people experiencing homelessness without calling it out. And we all know it's, it's true. It's not right, and it doesn't need to be this way. And I'm here to share that ending homelessness is possible. It is happening right now. And I offer you an alternative to simply walking by just join me in supporting the practical work of Community Solutions, where I serve on the board. We have a data-driven approach to unpack the problem, work with entire communities to help them build high-performing local systems. And this initiative is called Built for Zero. The results are profound. Over 50 communities have measurably reduced veteran and chronic homelessness. Many more is going to reach this breakthrough in the coming year. And every dollar you give makes a huge difference to make homelessness rare and brief should it happen. It begins with leaders committed to working in new ways to get results. So please help me challenge the fiction that homelessness is an intractable problem and go to www.builtforzero.org. And I'll wrap the show for today. Please reflect on your top takeaways and know that I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.